This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you're a leaf on the wind, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Also, just as a heads up, there's a minor spoiler for episode 5 of season 1 of WandaVision in this episode. It's not a huge plot point or anything, but just be aware. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Bain. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Raver Reading Parties, a Firefly fan fiction review. Boo. This is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find this podcast online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HiEverybodyMD.com or by visiting www.HiEverybodyMD.com on the World Wide Web. But if you hate the World Wide Web and you want to talk to us via telephone, call us at 530-DOCTORB. That is 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B stands for body snatching. And why does the B stand for body sweat, body snatching I think week, I think you know why. You're the one who picked this this show. I did. It's a rare rare time where I'm the one who picked uh, what we're talking about rather than, you know, someone who's qualified. Uh, we are talking about episodes one and two of Resident Alien, the new show on sci-fi, uh, starring Alan Tudyk from Firefly and iRobot and the chicken from Moana. Wait, he was the chicken in Moana? He was the chicken in Moana. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, he's like such a bit actor. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really, I mean, now it makes sense, but he definitely is one of those weird character actors in general. Between him and Paul Bettamy from uh, WandaVision, the remaining cast of A Knight's Tale is having a good month. Who else is having a good month? Uh, uh, Paul Bettamy was uh, Chaucer in Knight's Tale. Oh, you're right. You're right. What about, what? who's the other one? Shoshana Sossaman or Shen Sossaman? The, the, the maiden. Yeah. I your face, I know this is an audio medium. Your face describes why I don't know if everyone in the night still had a good fa- good time. No, no, but a couple of them. Yeah, I would say so, but uh WandaVision, good show, kind of like Midsummer. You should probably watch it. Um but this show, oui. I really like it. I know you really like it. I was I'm confused by it still. And I was trying to watch it from doctor eyes and not general sci-fi eyes. Not, I guess. not goofy eyes. Yeah, I'm what like the alien in this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was not watching it from that. So the plot of the series is that Alan Tudyk plays an alien uh, whose spaceship crashed on his way to destroy Earth, and he has to find his death bomb. And in order to do that, he's taken over the body of a doctor in a small Colorado town, and that doctor is just you know was there for a fishing trip and then it was stuck around alien alan tudyk played it as he'd retired yeah but in actuality it was so that he could find those alien pieces the the pieces of his ship and all was going okay until the town doctor died yeah and he was brought in to do the autopsy which is an odd thing to have a random doctor that you just found do an autopsy Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what his background was. Like, the original doctor. like The, the original Harry. doctor, original they Harry. talk about it. Uh, so, uh, Harry Redinger. Um, ben something. I, I don't know. Yeah. He, they, they brought it up uh, in the two episodes that we watched 
um, that he has a clinical psychologist background, and then he was uh, head of the virology lab or something along those lines uh, at Rutgers. Yeah, and I wrote that in big, gigantic letters. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you... So clinical psychology is a very different thing than medical psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Quite different. Like, so psychologists... Maybe it was probably clinical psychiatrist and I probably... No, no, no. They said clinical psychology. I wrote oh. I wrote it down specifically that way. So a clinical psychologist is your, your PhDs in psychology or master's in psychology mm-hmm. um, and kind of do your, your standard thing that you always see where they sit and talk and whatnot. But psychiatrists are the ones that go to medical they school prescribe your meds. and they prescribe your medications. So those are two very different things. And the crossover into virology is a very weird thing, too, because, again, that's more of a bench science kind of situation and not mm-hmm. so much like infectious disease, which is a medical field. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked about that a little bit when we talked about uh, Code Black mm-hmm. uh, and the switching switching those specialties to that degree is really not a thing. Well, this is not so much even switching a degree. This is almost like we're impersonating a doctor, mm-hmm. right? Because you, when you get licensed by whatever state you you live in um, to work, you have to have like a specific license. And case in point, like my license in California is a very specific physician and surgeon license, not a clinical psychologist license or something mm-hmm. like that. So you can't even be licensed to work if you don't have the right uh, degree to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's like a big, big no-no in the whole okay. thing. Okay. So the so the big red flag beyond wires. I mean, okay, this is the one doc, literally the one doctor in town. So they're bringing him in. Mm-hmm. But if he's working at Rutgers in New Jersey, mm-hmm. he's not going to be licensed to practice in Colorado, even on dead people. Yeah. And also, I would not send a random person in to sniff and go, that person's dead. Which is what, I think that was the first doctoring scene we saw him do, right? Mm-hmm. The alien Harry was that yeah. he just went up to someone and sniffed them and said, yep, and you're said dead. been dead for six hours based on the smell, and then they woke up. Which you can't really tell how long someone's been dead for by sniff. It's impossible. You can't, it's really hard to tell with that precise time how long someone's been dead for. It's just like trying to age a bruise, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do so. You can get relative time frames based on, like, lividities or where the blood's pooling or the color or rigor mortis and all that stuff which will give you a sense of how long they've been dead for but not like to the note like how he just did so same problem that you would have then with csi of they're not going to pinpoint this murder happened within the within this 20 minute period because of the coloration of the bugs on the left butt cheek exactly it's impossible. I'm surprised we haven't done CSI yet. On the list. Yeah, that show has totally left my mind. But um, I guess we can talk about just the general overarching theme of this show, like the one mm-hmm. case, I guess, and then we'll break down the other stuff. But it's all due to why Harry got pulled into basically this whole situation, right? So right. Sam Hodges, who is the town doctor, is now dead. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was found dead with a... With his throat cut and the scalpel in his hand. The scalpel was in his neck. Oh, it was in his neck. You're right. Yeah. 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 But he, the Harry correctly deduced that, hey, you need, 
it, it was a self-inflicted wound because he stabbed it directly into his throat. Mm-hmm. Not so much his neck, but his airway in general. Mm-hmm. And that, that was shadowed. or I mean, it was kind of mentioned that it was probably suicide because of the angle of the cut, and it's all in the front of the neck. And he said any good doctor who wanted to commit suicide would slice their carotid. And? I don't condone suicide. <laughs> um, that's not a painless way to go. Mm-hmm. He would have probably made deeper cuts too. And I broke down to not enough blood because, again, whenever you do a tracheotomy of some sort, there's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. So they kind of... I mean, I'm jumping around a lot here, but they kind of deduced or he deduced that he died because he was trying to breathe Mm -hmm. or he sorry, he stabbed himself in the neck because he was trying to breathe by giving himself a tracheotomy. Right. No, (laughs) no. Bad. All of it. Bad. So what's the first problem? Well, let's break down why you need a tracheotomy. So the reason why is your vocal cords are closed and they're not opening up and your vocal cords kind of. Think of it like a gate that controls air going in and out of your your trachea, right? So if that is occluded, you need to cut below it to open up the airway. But if he's worried he's being poisoned and can't breathe, there's other reasons why that doesn't work, which means the poison could be binding with oxygen or like hemoglobin Mm -hmm. and not allowing oxygen to transport. So you have that sensation of choking. Um, His muscles might be paralyzed. So even if he cuts a hole in his throat, if his lungs aren't moving or his diaphragm, I'm sorry, is not moving and expanding his lungs, he's not going to move air in. So that's Mm -hmm. not going to help either. Um, Is he having an acute allergic reaction for something? Um, He'd have clamping down of airways, but also he'd have other symptoms too, like his blood pressure will drop because all his blood vessels dilate all at once. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of reasons why this wouldn't work well. Also, it's super bloody. And it's, the like room that he was in was not. Correct. And I guess a good visual representation of this would be, remember in the first season of Game of Thrones when they were doing the joust and then I think the the joust went through or the sword the, or Yeah, whatever. the mountain, mountain joust, was jousting with someone. And, and it went through and his neck. Out. And then you saw like gurgling bubbles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's what you would expect to see. If especially if you were trying to work on someone who was actively trying to breathe and move air and then they stab themselves in the neck. You'd actually see some some bubbling a little bit. Some boublage. My interpretation of it wasn't that he knew he was poisoned, but mm-hmm. that he thought he was choking or had an allergic reaction. Yeah, but you're also in a clinic, so you would think maybe you have an EpiPen nearby. True. Right? There's so many other reasons that he should be doing that to help himself breathe or there's, there's many other reasons he should be doing to help himself breathe better. Are you, uh, other things he could do? Correct. But then they ultimately do an autopsy, uh, an autopsy on him, right? Mm-hmm. So part of an autopsy is that you have to draw blood to do a toxicology panel, mm-hmm. which would have ended the whole show right there. <laughs> 100%, right? Because by the end of the episode, he goes, oh, he got poisoned. But if you're doing an autopsy, part of the the autopsy itself is making sure there's no random toxins or things that don't belong in the body in the body even if it's something as simple as a bee sting that's a little tougher and like like having an a, a allergic reaction to a bee sting would be something that would show up though not necessarily but oh, you would right. actually see their blood you'd see other signs like lip swelling inflammation mm-hmm. all that other stuff i think the bigger thing is you'll probably i'm guessing it's going to be some kind of weird poison and you should have detected that but they were really cavalier about draining his blood, too. Yeah, they drained it into a bucket. 
which is not something that happens during autopsies, really. Also, where's that blood coming from? Like, why is it not coagulated? And Well, not just that, but where is it coming from? Like, did they hook up an IV into their veins to drain out all the blood? Are they hanging him upside down by his feet? Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's kind of like when you do surgery on someone's abdomen. You cut them open. They're not going to bleed everywhere because the abdomen usually should not have blood in its cavity. So there shouldn't be that much blood going on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's no heart pumping. Right. So when you make cuts like that, you shouldn't have blood anyways, too. So other things to think about on that autopsy scene. But yeah, and also I agree with you. That blood was not clotting, but also it was really bright. Yeah, it looked it looked like blood. Yeah, it looked like fresh blood, not like old, I've been dead for a while blood. So yeah, there was a lot of weird, I don't know, that that whole, oh, and my final, that whole scene was weird. And then the final thing I wrote down was the brain was the right, appro- the appropriate amount of squishy. Oh. Yeah. So a fresh brain is actually pretty, pretty soft and mushy. I know when you think of brains that are taken out of heads, you always think of like this firmer jello kind of situation, mm-hmm. like a harder jello, right? No, it's like jelly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the reason why the, the brain usually gets really firm like that is usually fixed with formaldehyde or something like that. So that's why you would see it like nice and hard and sometimes gray. Um, again, though, that brain is a little too pink. Usually you'd expect it to be a little more pale as a guy who's seen enough brain matter in his his medical career. What about the fact that they... He he basically tossed him to cool out in the sh- in in the snow. His feet were so blue and had bruises on it. For why? There's no blood <laughs> left. They drained him, right? They drained him like a stuck pig. So mm-hmm. technically, he shouldn't have any blood or anything like that left. And I think the cooling part is at that point is not more for evidence preservation. It's more we ran out of mm-hmm. room in the freezer. And this is a town that doesn't have a coroner or a funeral home. Coroner, I can buy because it seems like it's a boom and bust ski town. Funeral home? Funeral home, though, yeah. Right? Like, funeral homes definitely have freezers mm-hmm. for a fact. So I don't know why they stashed them in the back in the policy. No, they, they stashed them in the back because an alien was the guy who was in charge of that. Yes, but still. <laughs> it's, who moved the body? Was it just the alien? So he's the only one who did it? Yeah. How did no one else notice Feet hanging out of a pile of snow. Pass. I'm poking holes through this show. <laughs> it it was a weird, fun show, but I am, like I said, I watched this from medical doctor land, and um, my brain is sad. <laughs> my brain real sad. Also, from uh, missing going to bars and whatnot, uh, the yeah. bar scene made no sense to me, too, because that is a type of bar that does not play Nicki Minaj. A hundred percent. There's no way a coal miner bar would play music like that. Or was it coal mining? I don't know what kind of mine it was. It, the town history was coal mining, but I think it's now a resort town. Okay. Uh, slightly out of resort season. Because they were saying that, that you know, in a week, uh-huh. I think they said that in the next in episode two, that as soon as they get a, a good rain, all the snow's gone. Fair. So all of that, not, not cool. There was one more scene in the first episode that kind of drove me nuts, too, which was the the fight. Between like his assistant Asta or I don't know what her uh, name. Asta Asta and uh, her ex husband I guess mm-hmm. the one thing I noticed was so they kept jumping back four months ago to today four months ago to today right she has the same cut on her lip from four months ago that she does 
today. <laughs> like she always gets punched in the left lower lip constantly. But she also suffers from the the standard trope of uh, fight injuries, right? So if you are in a fight, you have two injuries always. It is a busted lip and a bloody nose. Mm-hmm. There is never other injuries that ever present itself, except for a black eye. Rarely, though, because they can never like make the black eye look real enough. So people try to avoid using a black eye. Mm-hmm. And um, she got she always gets punched there. But again, if you got punched in the mouth, I expect more blood, right? Mm-hmm. Like she should have at least a broken. And also, if you got punched in the face hard enough that you got a bloody nose, I'm worried about a broken nose. So more swollen face, all that stuff. My standard complaint. Yeah, my standard from, complaint. From the broken nose. You could, yeah. Because um, that's usually from like a base or a skull fracture. So you get like the raccoon eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, this whole, ugh, sorry, the, the, that, that whole scene just broke me a little bit. I was expecting more blood, which mm-hmm. is always my complaint. But that's where I'm at. As far as a, let's, let's go with what's the premise of the, of the show is though, mm-hmm. as far as a random guy who just basically watched YouTube videos doing an autopsy, how mm-hmm. did he do? So actually when he first started, he was cutting at the neck first to go down, which is bad. Mm-hmm. I would say, and there are actually videos of how to do an autopsy on YouTube. I found those. <laughs> it's there. Uh, he did not follow all the stuff that he was supposed mm-hmm. to follow. I mean, there was the whole him weighing each organ and whatnot. And then he sniffed a lot of stuff. But I wouldn't say he did like that great of a job in general. And also those are cases where sometimes we'll have patients go through a CT scanner too to make sure there's no other occult injuries um, mm-hmm. before we cut them open. Occult injuries like ghosts. Yes, that kind. Or the ones that we can't see clearly right off the bat. Like vampires. No, no. Vampires only through mirrors. Okay. Do vampires show up on CT scans? I would think physically it should be fine because you're shooting radioactive beams or Mm -hmm. x-rays, I guess. So it still bounces off stuff. It's It's not not, a reflection. Yeah. Okay. I don't think there's mirrors in CT scanners, but now I'm trying to remember. Oh, man. I'm not a radiologist, so I'm not 100% sure. Now I'm thinking it's Monica a vampire in WandaVision because she's clear on that CT scan. So that wasn't even a CT scanner. So what they used in WandaVision was an x-ray. That was it. That was an x-ray box that they called a CT scanner. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the picture that they took was an, an overexposed x-ray is what it looked <laughs> like to me. So there's your, there's your WandaVision Bonus piece. Bonus content. Yeah. There's your WandaVision piece for this week. But I'm not here to talk about WandaVision. I'm here to talk about Resident Alien. Episode one of Resident Alien. Um, very tough. Okay. <laughs> Episode two. Oof. Yeah, episode two is um, a little bit more lighthearted. We're just going to talk about the day in the life of Harry the alien, who has taken over the practice of of Sam Mm -hmm. because because why not? Because why not? Because that's good television. I mean, they need a doctor, right? So let's Mm -hmm. just find find one person who is on vacation and then make. I don't think he was on vacation. He said he lived there. So the real Harry spent a week there every year fishing, mm-hmm. and in the very, like the very first scene, um, the sheriff and the deputy were saying, "Oh, so and he's been here since? Did he retire?" Or uh, and they didn't really answer it. Fair enough. But basically, what happened is real Harry was out there fishing for a week, 
ran into the alien. Alien ate him, and, or well, body snatched him. Yeah, and and now and now we're where we're at. And now we're where we're at. And where we're at is is Harry doing a day in the life of a small town doctor? I'm confused what kind of practice this is because it looks like primary care, mm-hmm. but there's also an ambulance bay drop off. But it's also a ski town. True, but you'd so also it might also be like the ski clinic, like like the the clinic that they'd send someone that was beyond first aid of you know needing a bone set or something like that. Fair. Also, bone setting is definitely not first aid. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like beyond beyond what they could do, like at at the resort itself. Yeah, I was just really confused in general about that whole thing, and then it opens up with that. A kid in the exam room by himself, which was the, the only kid that can recognize he's an alien, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he's going to sixth sense him the whole series, I'm guessing. But it's really rare, if ever, for me as a doctor to examine someone underage by themselves without a chaperone. And mm-hmm. I think that's in general a general rule that we have. If you're going to do anything invasive or you don't have any witnesses, get a witness. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised that they didn't have like a nurse in the room with the kid by themselves. I don't care how savvy or how, oh God, that kid is a mouthy kid. Um, <laughs> how mouthy this child is, you don't leave a minor unaccompanied in a clinic mm-hmm. that needs to get examined. Because it's like asking a five-year-old, hey, why'd you come to the doctor's office today? And the, the first thing he goes, I don't know. My mom took me here. You're not going to get any kind of history or help from that at all. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, he was just there because he had a sore throat. Yeah. He's not going to tell you that. Even if he doesn't think you're an alien. Correct. He'll be like, I don't know. Does So this is usually when I play the game with kids. I go, does this hurt? And I'll touch them on the shoulder. And they're like, yes. And that, if that's their chief complaint, like, let's say their shoulder hurt. I'll touch their shoulder. They're like, does that hurt? Yes. Does this hurt? And I'll hold their hair. They say yes. And they go, immediately unreliable narrator (laughs) and then i have to kind of rely on whether or not they wince if i touch them or anything like that Mm -hmm. so this is one of those situations where i would not trust a kid by themselves but then they showed other things like a a cryotherapy needle or whatever to Mm -hmm. freeze off warts yeah that's mm, i would expect a clinic of this magnitude not to use something like that Right. So after Max, who's the kid who can see Harry, uh-huh. escapes out the window, the next patient that Harry thinks he's seeing uh-huh. is a twelve-year-old boy with a a wart wart near the with a wart in the groin area. Oof. Yeah. Do you know how we treat it? Do you want to guess? Uh, it's gonna go away. No. So there's two ways. You cut it out. Uh, cutting it out. So a wart's caused by a virus. Um, okay. And the more also you- antibiotics. No, viruses do not respond viruses, to antibodies. Uh, wow, Shame on you. Really Shame bad on you. This. Bad. Should, uh, I'm fired. You're out. Get out of it. Get out. Um, no, but so the, the thing with the warts is the more you pick at it or you claw at it or you try to excise it without doing it completely, the more it grows back. So we freeze it. Mm-hmm. And we need to use something super, super cold. So we use liquid nitrogen. So when I was a resident... We used to have this whole bucket of uh, liquid nitrogen in a back room. We'd fill up a cup and then throw in a bunch of Q-tips in there and just let it get super, super cold and hard. And then we would just take the Q-tips out and press it onto the wart until it froze. And they got a nice burn. And then we would be done. Oh, wow. And then eventually it would fall off. And then in my residency, when I had to rotate through the free clinic, 
and we had to deal with warts in different, more sensitive areas, uh, we would have a gun of liquid nitrogen. So it's like a super soaker that was filled with liquid nitrogen and we would spray it right onto the offending lesion. See, that needs to be on TV somewhere. What, using a super soaker gun? Yeah, um, the super soaker work therapy. I was like, I'm, I'm trying to think what it what, what a good equivalent thing would be like. Um, It'd be like a super soaker filled with liquid nitrogen. I mean, it's not like, I know in your head you're thinking like I'm pumping it with a bunch yeah, of I'm, energy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like proton pack. Yeah. You know, no. you're going in with the backpack but on. But really, it's almost like those... Um, whipped cream canisters kind of situation where you fill up a whole canister with uh, liquid nitrogen and you just and it has a, a very narrow nozzle and you just kind of shoot shoot warts. Three medical students died when they confused their whippets for ni- liquid nitrogen. Oh, you know it's you would know it's liquid nitrogen. It's that thing is cold as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember use um, using said liquid nitrogen super soaker on people and it was just screams and those screams haunt me to this day (laughs) so that's how you would treat and and they were in the groin area or in other areas down there and it is not fun to Mm -hmm. to deal with and yeah i would not use like a cryotherapy needle or whatever like that because those don't work really well they don't get cold enough and you really need to really need to kill those viruses to the point where the tissue around it is inhospitable and it falls off. So yeah, there's your there's your medical lesson of the day. You treat warts with a super soaker of its liquid nitrogen. This podcast is not medical advice for anyone who has a squirt gun and liquid nitrogen lying around. It's not going to hold in your in the squirt gun either. Everything's going to jam up. It's not going to work. I'm telling you right now. It li- super soakers aren't meant to handle that much cold. Can't yet. Unless it's a metal one, but then are we really dealing with super soaker at that time? Also, do you really want someone aiming at your wart with a super soaker? Ugh, no thanks. But all of the talk about warts was misguided, I guess, because that mm-hmm. was not the patient that showed up. Right. That's, I guess, question number one mm-hmm. is how likely is it, I mean, with Harry's level of incompetence yeah how likely is it for him to walk in with the wrong patient's chart and for that sort of that sort of mix-up to happen i do that a lot like it's not a non an uncommon thing where we would expect to see one patient in the room and then it's a totally different patient Mm -hmm. sometimes when staff bring back patients and put them in the wrong room and then on an emergency department especially like the tracking board is off Mm-hmm. And the patients got switched and you walk in and you talk to them and they look at you like you're the dumbest person in the world because this doesn't correlate. You're like, oh, crap, I'm in the wrong room. So this happens constantly. I'm sorry, doctor. My shoulder doesn't hurt. It's my hair. Yeah. What are you talking about? Exactly. And though some parents are really or some families and patients are really polite and they kind of go with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Others <laughs> will not. So it is a surprisingly um, not uncommon thing to happen. Would you rather, as a doctor, have the family who is polite and will go with it or the family who will be like, no, 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 that's not why we're here? No, I'd rather be stopped. Mm-hmm. I, I want my reign of terror to end uh, <laughs> in that case. And I want to be able to actually be a real doctor that's competent and treat what's wrong than um, appease and be polite in that situation. I want to know that I, I messed up so that I can actually do the right thing and help you out as a doctor instead mm-hmm. of 
um, living in my fantasy world that you have nothing wrong with you. So that's a big Got thing. It. But also, I would not confuse a 12-year-old boy with a <laughs> aged woman. Yeah. Yeah. So that woman coming in for a pelvic exam, that was highly inappropriate what was going on. Right. There. You can set um, up that one. So the the so he thinks he's he's going to do the wart treatment turns mm-hmm. out it's a adult woman who's in for a pelvic exam um and he gets his head under a blanket right in there yeah starts googling how to do it and accidentally takes a picture yeah um so this is one of those situations that has red flags all over it mm-hmm. um especially as a a male physician going into do a gynecological procedure, I would make sure to have a chaperone with me at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just for my safety. It's also for the patient's safety too, because you don't know what kind of person this is and what kind of stories they are going to make up. And this happens, this has happened to colleagues of mine before too, where families or patients would accuse the caretaker of doing something completely inappropriate that they never did but there's no witnesses. So it's mm-hmm. her word versus their word. Mm-hmm. So in any situation where there's a procedure like this being done, I always make sure to have a second set of eyes to make sure that there's no funny business going on. Mm-hmm. The blanket over her lap is just a hindrance. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, usually we lift up the gown and all that stuff and we explain everything step by step. Like you're going to feel the back of my hand on the inside of your thigh we're going to, and then you're going to feel my fingers wherever I'm going next and kind of explaining things step by step and going through the whole procedure. Funny thing about that is in medical school, we did have a, a resident or a medical student at that time who did leave the blanket over his head and it gets really warm. <laughs> so warm to the fact that he forgot to breathe very well. Oh, I you I don't know if that's come up on the podcast or just over drinks, but yeah, I remember this story now. And he passed out straight in, face first into that whole area. So, you know, you want to make sure the situation's right. And especially this is I think this was second year of medical school, and he passed out straight into her in right just downstairs right away. And he was he was out for a little bit. If you're a medical student listening to this, don't lock your knees. He was sitting. Also, if you, <laughs> also here's the thing. If you're doing a pelvic exam standing, you're doing it wrong. Okay? A hundred percent you are doing it wrong. Fair. Unless you're like unless you're trying to like do a bimanual, which is trying to like make sure there's no cervical motion tenderness and all that stuff, then do, standing up might be a little more comfortable, um, depending on the situation. Usually you're sitting. This kid was sitting. I say kid. He was like, he's an adult, but he was sitting. Thing over his head, freaked out. I mean, there was a lot of laughter for a while. Like, I don't think any amount of drinks will erase that from anyone's memory. <laughs> but it is a story that lives in for lives in infamy forever. Don't don't be the one that passes out for a standardized patient. Thank God it was a standardized patient and not like a a, a real patient. Standardized is meaning a training situation? Practice patient. Practice patient? Yeah. Someone who gets paid to do this. I, oh, who, who would, I mean, thank you. Thank you, standardized patients. But I could never let that happen. 
<laughs> or that never an, she an, got hazard pay. I mean, clearly there's a lot of hazards here, and you're hoping everyone cut their nails and all that other stuff too. Yep, yeah, that's right. I brought that up, but this is. But going back to this episode, this is like one of those highly inappropriate patients that you have red flags when you walk into mm-hmm. the room and you're, you know you need backup right away. There's no way I would be comfortable with a patient like this by myself. No way. Mm-hmm. And also, especially breaking out a cell phone and with flashes, lawsuit. Guaranteed. Yeah. Right away. Oh, and then you, you watched one more episode than I have, so I can't mm-hmm. really explain... Why the hell is there such a large freaking circumcision poster in this clinic? Circumcision becomes a plot point in episode three. I don't want to know why. <laughs> I really don't. Also, it's like one of those posters, like, I get it. You want it to look like a clinic on TV, right? So you find whatever clinical posters you can find and put it up. That's like why you always see like that one poster of the human body or whatever, that mm-hmm. looks like every other poster of the human body that has the, the same Mr. exact Good font. Body poster, almost, yeah, but like it has like the same font and everything. Like the the there's the one that it's half typewriter and half handwritten. Yeah, and then the other one was like big blocky letters that say the human body with serifs and all that stuff. I see it all the time in every single show I've watched, where it's like the skeleton and then there's like the muscles overlaid on the skeleton on the other half. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's one of those like where you'll see you're like, that's the poster he's talking about. It's always on there. Like my pediatric clinic when I was growing up had the Bristol stool scale. And I don't know why that poster stands out in my head now. And it's kind of ironic because I deal with that Bristol stool scale way too much in my daily career. So would you say it was it was formative for you? <sighs> I'm I'm breathing very heavily because Four out of six things on the Bristol School still are not formative. <laughs> <laughs> Technically five. But yes, it was it was formative in my career. And I really hate that you made that joke. I don't know if you meant to do it, but I did. I Oh God. That was terrible. <laughs> I'm like oh, I'm, I'm reeling right now from that horrible joke and it worked so well. <laughs> you bastard. I hate you. That was terrible. We put that I gotta put up that poster somewhere on when I'm if I ever end up doing a consultation on the show, that is a poster I'm gonna find to put up for sure. Nice. But yeah, I'm I'm really scared why this circumcision poster is there now. It's it's Chekhov's circumcision. Oh god. I feel like this is not gonna end well and someone's gonna get a hook. You don't put a circumcision poster in season in episode two if you're not gonna have a circumcision in episode three. Oh god. Please please for that kid's sake that he ends up okay. <laughs> I, I really hope he ends up okay. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, kid's fine. Okay, good. Um, speaking of kids who are not fine, um, that first kid in the episode comes back because he needs stitches after Harry mm-hmm. cuts his brakes. That is that is the worst stitches scene I've seen in a long time. Yeah. The, so the scene is basically Harry is Harry's nemesis is a, is like a ten year old boy who yeah. can see him. He's a mouthy child. And Harry tries to kill him by cutting the kid's brake lines, but it's on a bike, so he just doesn't make it down his driveway before he falls down and has to get stitches. Harry thinks he was going to die. In order to properly be menacing, uh, when the kid won't cooperate and say, you know, okay, I'm on Team Harry now, Harry gives him his stitches without anesthetic. Yeah, and even before all of that, the nurse was in the room loading his needle into the the bad needle driver. Uh, 
I usually don't have them opening up anything before I do that procedure. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to load the needle yourself because it, it's going to be one of those like nitpicky things. So a needle itself is pretty curved. And mm-hmm. some people like having the needle. When you say the needle, you mean the needle for the stitches and Correct. not the hypodermic needle. Correct. So usually I want the the needle driver to be at a certain point on the the curved needle with attached to the sutures to go in. So I usually do all that stuff myself. But also, if you open up that packaging early, it's going to be less sterile. Not so much less sterile, but there's certain sutures that are soaked in a solution to keep it wet. And mm. the minute it dries out, it becomes really brittle and it just falls apart. So are, are those like the kind of stitches that are designed to dissolve, be like dissolving absorbable sutures? Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed too is they're using the wrong kind of needle driver. So okay. what is a needle driver? So a needle driver is what you use to hold the the needle to do stitches. Or to okay. drive the needle into your skin, which sounds because worse. it's not like like so uh, like having a pair of pants where you're just holding the needle itself. Correct. So we use like the needle driver to actually guide it through, and we usually use a straight one because you can you can kind of tell where things are going with a straight one. You don't want to use a curved one unless that's the only thing you have left, because the curved one kind of affects the angle you attack, and mm-hmm. because it affects the angle you attack, you might not be able to approximate the skin well. Wait, if you don't want to use it that often, then why does it exist? Sometimes it, it helps as a clamp, so okay. like clamp blood vessels. Sometimes you can use it as like a counter-attraction kind of situation. Okay, so so it's not a one-use tool. No, it's like the other things too. But usually yeah. we call those hemostats. And hemostats are used to like clamp things usually too. But for me personally, I never use those. And even my plastic surgeons never use the curved hemostats. They always use the needle drivers that are flat. Mm-hmm. So that's like one big thing. The other thing uh, Harry said was good boys get Novocaine. Bad, Novocaine bad boys. is not what they'd be using, right? Correct. We use lidocaine or bupivacaine. So lidocaine is, you know, your standard numbing medicine. Mm-hmm. Bupivacaine can last a little longer too. So we'll actually have patients that will need a mix of both because it helps them last through the procedure longer, especially if they have like mm-hmm. a significant amount of sutures. I'm probably one of those patients. I've got redhead syndrome. Oh yeah, you got you got the weak pain. Yeah, but you, no, uh, like it just wears off. You you you'll wuss. Yeah, that's there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even now, like especially for kids, we try to avoid injecting lidocaine if we can avoid it. So we actually have like ointments or solutions that we can actually soak into a sponge and put it on a cut like that, and it'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you would imagine. This is a cut that's relatively fresh, right? He didn't wash it. Mm-hmm. He, It's not bloody enough. And you would think if a kid fell down and on asphalt and he ground his there'd arm. Be, yeah. There'd be gunk. There'd and, be asphalt. Yeah. So you should probably clean it out. So maybe. Or, or he shouldn't, but we should see that it was gross and gunky. My theory is that Harry's just trying to kill him by sepsis. Or that's just <laughs> a bonus effect. We haven't seen season, episode four yet. He might die of an infected wound and I can't wait. <laughs> that kid is mouthy. He's too mouthy. He is annoying. I know. Saying that from a pediatric emergency medicine doctor standpoint, that's bad. But that kid is not. I know he's supposed to be like this. Like I don't know if he's supposed to be likable. He's supposed to be like our eyes, right? He's the he's representative. Supposed to be like Kevin McAllister, likable. So not likable, right? But <laughs> but it, but he has to be a certain level of savvy in order to be a foil he's slowly crossing over to problem kid situation mm-hmm. or problem child i forgot the name of that movie problem child 
problem child. Yeah, he's crossing over to problem child territory. So they got a. It's a very fine line for them to walk, but they're they're tipping over the the not fun part. So the scale goes: Home Alone, Problem Child, The this, Good Son, The Omen. You know what? That's I guess Six pretty- Sense would be uh, the good side of things. Yeah, for sure. Like because Six Sense, he was just trying to help, mm-hmm. but he wasn't Mally. He saw dead people and was a like a little whiny, but other than that, he wasn't like annoying. <laughs> so that would be my that would be my whole selling point. But I'm gonna bring it up to just the last thing. I think for me personally, the last thing I want to talk about this episode is man getting hit by bowling ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good a good groin shot's always funny. Um, however, I don't care how tough this cop is; he's not getting up. No way, no way. Yeah, <laughs> you're making like the cringe face on. This no, song. I'm trying to think of. Okay, well, what if it was just a glancing blow? No, that is a strike. Mm-hmm. That is a hundred percent a strike. So he's at higher risk for like testicular rupture and all that stuff too, or at least a testicular hematoma. Can't we just have one episode where we don't talk about testicular ruptures? No, Test- we're gonna talk about ball injury every. If it, <laughs> if it shows up in an episode, you damn straight we're gonna talk about uh, testicular injuries for the sure. He is for broken ball. You know what? I think so. In this situation, he doesn't have broken ball. (laughs) There is no way he he walks away from there, or at least walks away normally. He walked away pretty normally. Mm -hmm. He did not hobble, and I get that he's trying to act tough because he's like this big tough sheriff. Um, I did not like his care. I did not care for his character. Um, but I'm glad he got hit hit in the (laughs) ground. I I was. He was like the Jesus. Didn't he give you the Jesus vibes? He had a costume. To go bowl. Yeah, he did. And the glove. And the glove. He had weight. And also, if I'm going to judge their bowling, too many straight bowlers. They all went straight down the middle. None of them hooked. Mm -hmm. And for a guy who has his own costume and gloves, you'd expect him to bowl with a hook. Just saying. I need to go bowling. I miss going bowling so much. I haven't gone for like three years, and I really want to go bowling. (laughs) Um, Kind of general question. Yeah. So... Obviously, Harry is a doctor who does not have a good bedside manner because he is literally an alien. You know, this could be the origin story of the good doctor. That's where I was going to go with this. (laughs) Would you rather work with Harry or would you rather work with the good doctor? Or would you rather, like, Harry, good doctor, resident, which one do you want? Why do you hate me? (laughs) <laughs> why why would why must you put me through this stuff okay so definitely not harry right because he actively wants to kill his patients but not just that he is actually the most incompetent of all the patients mm-hmm. right i don't care how smart he thinks he is compared to all humans he is actively the most incompetent doctor of all of them uh second to the most incompetent would be the resident who is also very incompetent but if I need a surgeon, I'll have the good doctor do all that stuff. I don't think he's a good primary care doctor, but also the resident is also not a good primary care doctor. Um, I don't think there is a show that I can think of off the top of my head other than Heart of Dixie, which is a terrible CW show, where it features prominently a primary care practice. Who's good at it. Who's good at it. Ooh, then I should take back the Heart of Dixie. Because um, she was a... Uh, I think she was supposed to be an ER doctor who moved to a small town and became a primary care doctor. Um, I hate that I know that (laughs) because I did a lot of research on medical shows in general. 
but I can't think of any shows that are based on primary care doctors right now. And it, it it's kind of sad, but it's because there's not a lot of drama in primary mm-hmm. care, right? I'm what was Cliff Huxtable? He was a psychologist. Was he? Okay. I believe so. Also a diddler, but mainly a yeah. psychologist. Yeah, also not a good doctor. Correct. Um, but yeah, I don't think there is like a doctor I can think of that was like, oh, I had a rough day in the clinic today, not in I'm the hospital. Sure, I'm sure there's a sitcom that we're not thinking of. Dr. Ken, maybe. Dr. Ken might be the closest thing to like primary care. What was Ken Jeong's specialty? Internal medicine. Internal? But internal medicine, people work in clinics mm-hmm. a lot of the time too. So he might be the only primary care physician that i can think of in terms of television at least at this point if you think of something else call us at 530 doctor yeah but yeah with that i do have a question bring it the human centipede bills itself as 100 percent medically accurate if that's the case and if that's our baseline how medically accurate are episodes one and two of resident alien airing wednesdays on sci-fi (laughs) uh excellent plug there um so i'm actually going through my my list of medical accuracy things that we've covered recently and i believe the simpsons was like 65 percent the one we did last week that we just did it's about that level um the medicine is not great and also just Mm -hmm. the portrayal of how he is a doctor is bad you know like i get it you're a small town doctor you're so laid back you wear flannel and then you wear a white coat over said flannel so laid back doesn't change how you practice medicine though and it shouldn't but the whole like gyne exam that was kind of weird doing stitches on the kid to torture him that was not cool and it didn't look real too Mm -hmm. and then the whole overarching story of the the doctor stabbing himself in the throat to help himself breathe I don't get that part at all. Like, I'm trying to think, like, if I can't breathe, what are the steps I'm going to try to do to help myself breathe? Like, if I think I'm choking, I'm going to throw myself on the back of a chair to try to Heimlich myself. You're going to Liz Lemon it. Yes. And it works. That's actually a thing you're supposed to do. I'm not going to blind sweep my throat, but I see where people panic and they put their fingers in their throat trying to clear whatever's in there. But that's how you push stuff deeper. Mm -hmm. Last case scenario would be that but even then i wouldn't stab myself repeatedly in the throat i would try to stay calm as much as possible and remember what i was taught on how to do a tracheotomy and Mm -hmm. i get you might be thinking to yourselves people at home like this is a primary care doctor how would he know how to do a tracheotomy there's so many tv shows that show people doing it and even as simple as taking a pen Mm -hmm. stabbing it into your throat and then opening the pen up and then thus giving you a hole to continually breathe through that's what you're supposed to do. Like, if you stab yourself in the neck with a scalpel and then you take it out, the first thing that hole does is just close up. It's close up. Yeah. So you want something to keep it open the whole time. You can't just put your finger in there because now your finger is plucking the hole. Like, you need something like a hole, uh, like a pen or something like that. So, uh, when the, long before you and I knew, knew each other, my, my wife and I were out with one of our friends who was a, uh, uh, it is first year of med school. Uh huh. Uh, and we'd gone someplace that had fishbowl drinks and big honking straws for them, and he was carrying it around the rest of the night, ready for that emergency trick. I love fishbowl drinks. 
<laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> that was probably one of the first times we hung out. Like, <laughs> are, did, you know that fishbowl drink is for more than one person. It's for four people. I'm like, I know. Um, yeah, holding a giant straw from a big old tiki drink, probably not the best thing to use to put into someone's throat. But hey, if you need something to keep the hole open, sure. It was emergency. Emergency trach. Not, you know, scheduled trach. You know what, though? And this is going to be kind of physics-y. Um, the longer the tube, the more dead air there is. So it's not going to help you ventilate as well. But you could cut the tube. You could. But I'm just saying, if he's carrying around the long tiki, tiki straw tubes, or tiki straw, yeah, long tiki straws, you, you have to make sure you cut it. It's the same reason why you can't put a garden hose. Not at the medical b- or bartending advice. Correct. But it's the same reason why you can't hold a garden hose at the bottom of the pool and use that to breathe. Right. Not scuba diving advice. Correct. Yes, that's snorkeling. Uh, it's snorkeling. Yeah. There's no scuba. Scuba is the tank. Yeah, that's true. It's not self-contained. Yeah. It is It is a long snorkel. But that's the reason why that doesn't work either. There's so much dead air that you're going to just rebreathe the same air over and over again. So you got to make sure you cut that straw to make sure they ventilate well. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I know what you're going to ask next is how am I going to fix this to make it more ed- medically accurate? Yeah. Um, he gets arrested after the first episode. <laughs> the end. For practicing medical medicine without a license in the state of Colorado. Correct. Also more blood. Oh, no. Also, honestly, if you want to make it more accurate, you have him try to try to apply for a medical license and it takes eight months. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the true accurate thing. Oh, we can't accept this. This is a photocopy of your diploma. We want the real diploma. Wait, you want me to send you my real diploma? Yes. Am I going to get it back? Maybe. So if you lose it, do I have to ask for a new diploma for my medical school? Yes. Are you li- Are you going to pay me for it? No. That's that's real life. <laughs> I, I say this with a little bit of PTSD. Because how, how, did you have to reorder your diploma? No. Um, I actually waited for them to do a clinic. I'm like, I'm not going to send you my diploma. Like, I don't know if you're going to do this. And I kept talking over and over again. Like, are you going to lose it? I'm like, no, we're not going to lose it. I'm like, I'm just going to wait until you guys come down from Sacramento to my residency and photocopy my diploma in person so you know it's real. So I know you don't lose it. Like, you're being paranoid. I'm like, I'm not being paranoid. That thing's an expensive piece of paper. I don't want to lose it. I'm not going to send it by certified mail if you're not going to reimburse me. I'm a broke resident. Please, <laughs> please don't lose my diploma. So that is part of it. And also the extensive fingerprinting. That's also a part of it, too. I assume hmm. that this alien cannot rep- replicate fingerprints well. He, he can. Has it been brought up? Kind of. They definitely have a medical consultant then because <laughs> <laughs> that these are all real things like clerical stuff that gets brought up. The, someone had to have gone through it to know that this is a like, real thing. like the clerical stuff. No, he, the fingerprinting doesn't come up like to that extent, but mm-hmm. um, the background check live scans in the next episode, which is probably going to air the day after we release this, but is already available on sci-fi.com. Um, you they find the real Harry's foot in the mm. water. Gross. Super yeah. gross. It's gross. Yeah. Um all right. Watch it if you like weird sci fi. Don't watch mm-hmm. it if you want a medical show. <laughs> that's Fair. that's kinda that is how I'm gonna sell it. I it, it, really like this show and I'm kind of bummed that it's not easily streamable other than the first few episodes. God, it took me forever to find it. So I was on the NBC app. Mm-hmm. It's on the sci-fi app. 
both with an exorbitant amount of commercials that I did not appreciate. Or, I got so many commercials for Resident Alien while watching Resident Alien. I had commercials for CBS All Access on NBC, and that was very confusing to That's me. That's weird. Um, the other thing, it wasn't on Peacock or anything. It's not like on that. Peacock. They've got this brand new streaming service that they're that they're pushing out everywhere. You can watch it on demand. So if you have cable, that's probably one way to go too. But mm-hmm. otherwise, it's a little tough of a show to find. I would yeah. say so. I, I feel like that's kind of been the problem with sci-fi shows sci-fi channel shows in general you mean like winona earp well like winona earp uh like the expanse before it moved to amazon uh like the magicians uh is that they were they they've done some really good new new shows in the past six years but they're, but just... they're really hard to watch if you're not someone who has cable. Yeah, and especially this year with no Comic-Con, they can't do their, their normal media blitz that they normally would do. Sci-Fi yeah. has a massive presence at Comic-Con, and that's like mm-hmm. one thing that they couldn't do this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Hopefully, uh, in the future, Sci-Fi stuff will be on Peacock, and I think that will be a boon for the genre. Yeah. Because I think that they're... that that there are shows that haven't gotten the attention they deserve yeah. because of the fact that they aren't easily streamable. And by the time they hit Netflix, you know, a quarter of the people have seen it and the other. And so it doesn't get the same yeah. attraction. Like Peacock bought WWE Network, so they can totally afford to put sci-fi on there. I didn't know that. Yep, for a billion bucks. Dang. Yep. <laughs> Random fact for you to go out on right there. Yep. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Jackson, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you enjoy the show and you've made it this far, best thing you can do is tell someone about the show. Uh, We're steadily growing and really appreciate it. Um, But word of mouth is how people hear about podcasts. So if you tell one person about this podcast, uh, we would really appreciate it. Yes, we would. Thank you so much for listening to us. We'll we'll see you next week. Bye.